morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna, joined alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And we got a very, very special guest this morning, Hudson Standish, National Recruiting Analyst. Is that right, Hudson? Is that the new title? Uh, it's either National Scouting or National uh, Recruiting. I'll take either. I'm happy with either. Hey, got the new bag, secured the new bag, as the kids say, got the promotion, repping down there in Texas, baby. Now we're bringing you on. We're going to talk some quarterbacks here, the top 247 quarterbacks. You've been watching these guys. You wrote an excellent article on 247sports.com, checking in with some of the top quarterbacks in the country. So we're going to start there. But first, hold on. I got to I got to get my good mornings in. I got to get my exchanges in. Drew, how we feeling, baby? Thursday, isn't this the best day of the week, right? We got NFL starting. I think there's a college game Thursday night, right? Am I wrong there? Maybe. High school uh, game. Right. You're, I High think school there's game, something right? on Thursday. I think it might be Georgia State Coastal. There we go. W was that Miami Central game? Was that yesterday or is that no, tonight? That, that, that's tonight. I'm I'm working on a, a line for you. I forgot to look that up. This I was about morning. to say, has the line moved at all? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, Jeremiah. there's some people out there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that there's going to be one or two people that listen to this pod that are scrambling to find that Miami Central pod. It's neither here nor there. Um, Hudson, let's do what we do, baby. Let's talk some quarterbacks. Let's start at the top. Dylan Riola, number one player in the country overall, committed to the Georgia Bulldogs now with Buford High School. He's gotten off to a good start. We're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Julian Sand. But what have you liked? about what you've seen about the number one player in the country at Buford playing the best competition, some of the best competition in the country. I think that's pretty fair to say. What have you seen so far through four weeks of the season with Dylan Riola? With Riola, I remember when I first got into the industry, he was a sophomore at Burleson High School outside of Fort Worth, Texas. So one of the first things that I did on the job was I wanted to go see him against Alito. Um, Alito in Texas is the uh, record holder for state titles. They have 11, um, with most of them coming in the 21st century. And what really impressed me and what still does with uh, Riola is his creativity as a passer. I think we, I don't think we do, but I think most people maybe talk about the arm talent so much that you just kind of forget that he's a magician. There were a couple of clips where he's getting hit by two guys, and as he's falling down, because of his baseball background, is able to just, you know, get a little wrist flick and complete, you know, a 15-yarder. Or he's just such a good improviser that he's able to make something out of nothing. And when you're playing with a team as talented as Buford, you know, those little impro uh, you know, improv moments, they – really just adds so much to the team that, you know, maybe a more, um, you know, distributor can't. So I think that's what's really impressed me through, you know, four games or so. Just that re reminder of like, oh, yeah, Dylan, Dylan Raiola is, uh, is him kind of like this is the guy that I remember watching as a sophomore and just kind of being, you know, jaw drop. Well, bring up the – statistics from Buford 4-0 right I don't think he's thrown an interception yet I mean this is in in the story of your kind of check in with the quarterbacks in the top 247 so what is he 63.8 percent passer 
799 yards, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions. I, as we go through this list, a lot of guys have not thrown picks. It's it's kind of an impressive. I mean, I was at Riola. Shout out to Tommy Bamboo. I've I've got that nailed now. Riola. Um, Tommy Bamboo, all, baby. I've been I've been practicing all night. I I think uh, when I saw him against St. Francis, so that would have been about a month ago, right up in up in Georgia. Just his ability to extend plays in the pocket and take hits and, and still deliver the football. And I think with Dylan's senior season, what stands out to me is he was only in Georgia for what six weeks before you know that he started the season so he didn't have like a full off season um to kind of work with the receivers uh so his ability to pick it up that quickly and i know someone had mentioned it i, I don't know where i think he's got technically negative rushing yards this year my pushback on that would be buford runs a very like pro style system i mean there's not really a, a ton of opportunities for him to take off and and run and RPOs and, and stuff like that. It's it's very pro style, a lot of dropbacks, a lot of play action. So, I mean, he's not afraid to take a sack if he has to, but he also does, I think, do an admirable job of just keeping things alive with his eyes down the field. I took a little bit of heat when Dylan Riola committed to Georgia because I said that he was a, he was a really good fit for what Mike Bobo wanted to do offensively. I still think that, you know, you got Carson Beck under center. It's really, who's our guy that uh, Todd Munkin, right? Calling it now for the Baltimore Ravens was calling it the last couple of years was Stetson Bennett. I, I think he fits that, right? You see that yeah. at Buford, he can play out of the shotgun, but a guy that is really kind of tailor-made for a play action offense. The other thing I wrote this in, in, in the notes here on Dylan Riola, it's been a long time since I've seen a deep ball thrower like him. He almost seems more comfortable comfortable to me throwing the deep ball than he does other aspects of the route tree. I mean, it is like feathery touch, perfect ball placement with accuracy. I wish we had like advanced stats, especially like at the high school level of the breakdown of kind of like 20 yards and plus. He's an incredibly accurate thrower in that part of the field. I was going to say, if you had the spray chart for him, it would just be lit up with volume in the deeper third. He loves that football. And, the other thing is he doesn't exactly have the biggest wide receivers at Buford. I mean, a lot of those guys are sub six foot. And I know KJ Bolden, the FSU commit, is one of them, but he only he only plays like every other snap on offense. Um, so it's not like he has the best receiver core to kind of work with. And and sometimes he'll just throw it out there and 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 put it where the receiver can get it if the receiver is capable. Ideal fit for Georgia. All right, uh, Hudson, let's move on. Another five-star quarterback. That is Julian Sane. He's been the topic of a lot of our conversation here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. A lot of that has to do with the, I would say, uh, unsettled quarterback room in Tuscaloosa uh, at Alabama right now. Obviously, Eli Holstein, Dylan Lonergan, the two that they took last year. Before that, Ty Simpson. Who's going to be the guy, right? They're trying to figure that out right now. I think when we kind of address Julian saying, I think people want to know, can he play early, right? And is this going to be a guy that's going to be the answer? You kind of look at what he's done statistically. 
to be able to continue to kind of capture that momentum that he built from over the summer at the Elite 11 as the Elite 11 MVP. Also goes to the OT7 finals that same weekend, performed extremely well. How about this? What a start for him. Carlsbad, 5-0, 75 of 90, 95. That's almost 79% completion rate, over 1,000 yards passing already, and he's got 13 tuds and no INTs. So, Hudson, take me through the tape. What are you seeing through Julian saying? What do you like? And what do you think about the chances of him being able to play early in the SEC? Yeah, so Ivan's mentions with uh, Riola the fact that, you know, he gets to Georgia about six weeks before uh, before the season starts. When I watch Saiyan, it's kind of the opposite, where you can just completely tell he's in full control of the Carlsbad offense. I, I think that he knows – you know, this system down to the, you know, most minute detail. Like, I think that he's just in complete command. And when it comes to potentially, go, uh, you know, enrolling, I believe is early enrollee, which should help him potentially get some playing time at Alabama or at least fight for it. I do think it's a real possibility. Um, I know that Tommy Reese for the next, you know, two to three weeks, depending on how long Jalen Milrow keeps this job, is going to probably need to design some quarterback run specifically for the plus one running game just because they've kind of struggled to get it done with Jace McClellan um, and their other backs. So I think that it's really fortunate timing for Saiyan, and he could be one of those rare guys that at a power program, you know, doesn't need to take a red shirt year because he, I think he is one of the higher floor guys in the entire uh, group of QBs. I think what jumps out to me and could not cut you off. I mean, from what I've seen of Julian saying, I, you see him, we, we saw him out in California at the elite 11, right? We knew what he was on tape as a junior, but here as a senior, just him, moving in the pocket him taking off as a runner like i didn't know he had that element of his game and what i also think is notable about the senior season he was averaging 10.93 yards per attempt as a coming into this year so the the past two years the sophomore and the junior campaigns he's right at 10.8 as a as a senior through five games so he's one of the few kind of in this class when you pop on the highlights, the tape, you know, what, whatever it is, like he actually pushes the ball down the field, unlike a lot of others. And, and that might be a product of the system. Um, but I think that that's pretty unique with this group. He's the one quarterback where you try to figure out, all right, where does he fit in the group of CJ Carr? Where does he fit in the group of DJ Lagway, Luke Cromanhawk? He's the one guy I really can't put my finger on. And we saw him in California, and I loved him in California. He was more athletic than I thought. He was super crisp. He was super polished. I left with really no questions about the arm. And then you watch him on tape, and I said this before, but he almost bores you. He puts you to sleep. He's methodical. He's more of a distributor. You know, I was talking to Brett Greenberg at Bama 247. He was asking what I thought about Julian saying, if there was a quarterback in the past, it's like, yeah, he's he's a little bit more of a athletic profile than a guy like Mac Jones, but I see him the same way as a pocket distributor, right? And for me, 
those guys in terms of the ceiling, a lot of that is going to be dictated by perimeter playmakers and protection, right? And Hudson, you talked about the ability to play within structure. I think that's what Julian's saying probably does better than anybody in the class. But the environment's got to be right. Play calling's got to be right. Protection's got to be right. And the playmaking's got to be right. Right? So there's some of these other guys that are they as polished? No. But I feel better about the long-term upside. And Julian Sands one of those guys where it's like, I really can't, me personally, can't put my finger on him. And I don't, I don't know what, what that is. So he's going to be a, a super interesting, I don't want to say case study, but he's going to be a guy that I'm going to monitor. Like, I don't know, if you were to ask me right now, like, hey, is, is the environment right for him to go to Tuscaloosa and start immediately? I'm not sure. Right. Let, me, let me ask you this. Do you think we see him in an all-star game or does Alabama try to get him in for a a bowl practice? And who knows where Alabama will be in December, January. But I, I was I was wondering about that. I would assume Alabama is probably going to do everything in their power to get him to campus as soon as possible, you know, yeah. and just get him acclimated. I think that would be a big bonus. Um, and they did that with Ty Simpson, I believe, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, the other part, if I'm Alabama, I'm going to completely rework in that quarterback room. I'm going into the portal again this year. We'll see what happens with Buckner, Milrow, Simpson. I mean, I would expect massive uh, turnover for Alabama in that quarterback room. So Julian's saying off to a hot start. Hudson, we, we said we're going to pod this. I kind of brought up the next couple of guys, Luke Cromanhawk, CJ Carr, Air Nolan, DJ Lagway. I want to put those guys Kind of in the next pod, right? So I gave you four names there. Is there one guy above everyone else that you kind of look at and you're like, okay, I got that guy circled. This guy really intrigues me. So for this exercise specifically, it's got to be Lagway just because he's putting up uh, NCAA. Uh, I'll just play on rookie mode numbers. I, I, no, no need to play Heisman. I'll just, uh, I'll just throw for 600 yards a game. I mean – I've mentioned this a couple times. I might have mentioned this the last time I was on the pod. I don't think people understand like how traditionally bad this Willis program is. And they make a really good hire. They get uh, Spring High School's head coach Trent Miller, um, and you know DJ has some more weapons. But this is a career Texas high school football program all time that's sub five hundred. They're traditionally a 5A program. DJ, his sophomore year, is their first year at the 6A level, jumping into a district with the Woodlands, Conroe Oak Ridge, who always has a bunch of studs. New Caney, you know, Kedrick Riscano last year was a player for them. CJ Blocker was in the top 24-7. So I, I think that it's taken a little bit for the team success to kind of get to the same level as DJ Lagway's just, you know, individual talent. And I think, Coop, you were talking about it the other day on the pod. It feels like he's taken a significant step up in his, you know, personal game. I was really impressed. I'm excited to watch him for the rest of the year because when he's good, it's really damn good. He can make some throws that, you know, maybe one or two other guys in the, you know, this group of QBs can make. And his ability as a runner is 
probably the best of anybody in the class. So, you know, I, I think that's the one that, especially too, because I'm based in the state of Texas, that that was the biggest eye catcher of this, you know, top group uh, of QBs. You bring up Willis and the school's record. I mean, that was the not one of the big questions, but kind of a sticking point with Lagway. Willis with Lagway as the starter past two seasons, 10 and 10. One of the worst records of the blue chip quarterbacks. And now they're 4-0, like you said. Um, I'm not going to push back on the he's the best runner. I think there are some some dynamic guys out there. Haas Haney, who's committed to TCU. Damon Williams, who's committed to Arizona. But I think in terms of like a big-framed mobile guy, he's for sure. He's, he's kind of one one in in this class. Uh, baseball background, you know, eighty-eight mile per hour fastball as a as a ninth grader. Someone threw out a GPS number, but I, I don't know if that's the one I've been using from uh from my freaks list story. I mean, he was running 20 miles per hour on a inclined treadmill, but he's, he's a freak that, that, that is what he is. And I said it coming out of the elite 11 finals, right? He was number 43 overall for us. I think some other people moved him down coming out of that performance. I, I liked where we had him. It was kind of wait and see what he does as a senior and a month into the season. I mean, he's doing what we want in terms of showing improvement across the board. Did he even did he even make the top eleven for us at the Elite Eleven? No, but do you remember we like kind of always brought up that one throw he had during the pro day where it was like the the deep shot? I mean that and was one should, of the best best balls of the week. It, but it's a it's a good example of a guy making progress on the field that maybe you put in that combine setting and it's a little bit of a muddied evaluation. He doesn't perform as well. One in every five throws is a wow throw. The other four make you kind of leave leave you scratching your head a little bit. To me, the tangible evidence of what we've seen from DJ Lagway statistically, and you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, right, Hudson, because of the competition that they played last year specifically, but 55% as a sophomore to 67% as a junior. Now it's 73%. Already thrown 17 touchdowns, three INTs. He had one INT that I know he wish he would have had back. There's some things he's going to have to continue to learn with every single one of these quarterbacks. Point being, he seems so much more comfortable on the field than he does in a combine setting. He is a big physical athlete. He's mobile. He's nimble. He can extend plays. He can improvise. And Hudson, I don't know about you, but you turn on the tape this season, it's like, NFL throw after NFL throw after NFL throw. And then you you couple that with what he has in his body. You go to the background a little bit. He's a legitimate baseball prospect. There's a lot to like about him. And then you talk to him. That's the other thing. Like, I got to talk to him for the first time a couple of weeks ago. You like the way he handles his business. And okay. to me, this seems like a guy that he's going to be extremely coachable for Billy Napier. And I think the other thing for Florida – and they've shown this with Graham Mertz. They've used him a little bit more as a runner than a lot of people have expected. I think that's a big part of what Billy Napier, when he had success at UL Lafayette with Levi Lewis. And I think they like that with DJ Lagway. So I expect the legs to be a big part of DJ Lagway's game. Hudson, another guy I want to bring up, Luke Cromenhawk, right? I think we can kind of throw him in the um, 
I don't want to say the wild card category, but let's throw him in the a lot to like category. Developmental upside with the traits. Played receiver not too long ago. What is this third year playing quarterback? Right. So second, um, second year as a starter. Second full year as a starter. Right. So this guy has had, I would say, the apple of our eye for Andrew and I, just in terms of intrigue. I would love to get another independent, uh, informed opinion here on what you think as Luke Cromanhawk as a senior. You know, the compared to all of the other QBs, what really strikes me with Cromanhawk is just that I think that there's a lot left to him as a passer because – I think he's probably in one of the more QB unfriendly offenses of anybody in the top 24 seven, like, and you know, the thing is that's a Georgia, uh, AAA, uh, state champion, you know? And so they, they just care about winning, you know, so he's going to do whatever it takes for the team as we saw as, you know, for him playing uh wide receiver and safety as a sophomore, but I do think it could be one of those things where a lot of the comments on this article were like, oh, Cromenhawk has to go down because his stats are, you know, this and that. That that I mean, that first off, that's not how we view this. That's not why we're doing this exercise in the first place. But second, I, I think when I watch him, and I've watched quite a bit of uh, the Florida State commit, there's just so much more because he can make all of these different throws, but, you know, he's not asked to do a ton. For, uh, Benedictine. I was sending you guys a bunch of clips from the game I watched. I think it was against uh, Ware County. You, you bring you, you mentioned the offense. I mean they they run the football a lot, and I think it was kind of raining that game. And his stats are also a little skewed because I think the opening game of his senior season was like called halfway through for like some threat in the stands. I, I don't know. It was kind of it's kind of weird. It's been hard to to get information out of there. But I mean, another mobile guy, which isn't surprising given the background, having played defense and, and wide receiver, he stands in the, his best throw was an incompletion where, you know, this linebacker comes around the corner. No one picks him up. Luke stands in there, throws it to the back shoulder receiver. Can't get it in. I mean, but if, if that's a wide receiver at Florida state, that that's six points. So, I thought it was encouraging. Still probably need to see a little bit more for me to shoot him up my board. But I think as the season progresses, that's kind of what uh, Benedictine does. Like they, they kind of open it up more as it's gone on. And I feel confident saying that having evaluated Holden Gurner, who was at the school, you know, that's who Luke backed up originally. Now he's at, at Auburn. So We'll see how the season goes. I, I still think he's pretty raw in some departments, but you can see the flashes for sure. If you watch a full game of Luke Cromanhawk, he shows you everything you want to see. Now, whether or not that's going to be consistent over four quarters, that's a little bit of a different question. But in terms of everything you want to see in a quarterback, as an evaluator, the athleticism in the pocket, the ability to extend plays, the, the ability to make plays outside of the pocket – plays with touch he can change speeds he can throw the deep ball he's good enough as a runner right where you have to respect him there the comp has long been ryan Tannehill, and you know ryan Tannehill used to play receiver at texas a&m he can still do some things in the nfl as well i like that comp i don't know it's because they both wear 17 right but to me yeah. that one fits that that comp has been my comp for like a a year it's and a great comp 
there is a from that Ware County game, pretty pretty uh, little slick jump pass he's got, like design run, stops, and it's not like the Tebow jump passes. It's kind of one on a spiral down the field. It's he kind of hit a fadeaway jump. Yeah, fadeaway. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Today, uh, let's hit a fadeaway into a quick plug here. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts. Also, make sure if you have a question, which is Mailbag Wednesdays, that is the place to do it. Leave a review. Leave a five-star rating as well. And make sure to subscribe to the show, the fastest-growing recruiting podcast in the industry. Haven't fact-checked it. Can just feel it in my guts. I'm assuming that's true, though. So, all right, Hudson, I want to get into the rest of the pod here. We talked about C.J. Carr, Air Nolan were the other names. I want to talk a little bit about C.J. Carr. I got to turn on the tape yesterday. I just love the command that this guy plays with, right? And he is a super fluid athlete in the pocket. I wrote a while ago, maybe even over a year ago, and I had to phrase it in a way that wouldn't get too many people behind the scenes in a stir. But I'm like, there's some times he kind of does some Manzelish stuff, right? Not as a runner, but in terms of running around and extending plays and kind of doing some wild things. I love watching his game. He's super exciting. This year, he's been like, you're starting to see him kind of put it together. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about him after an offseason where there are a lot of expectations. He's another guy. You turn on the tape, you kind of get back to back to base, and you're like, all right, now I remember why I like this guy. All right, before before Hudson goes, let me toss this term out, like elastic. Like that's how you would describe yes, it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Very, very good. Yeah. Yep. No, nah, I'm all the way with you. Really, really intriguing. Um, I just think that he kind of does remind me a bit of saying in the fact that when I, you know, before I even got into the national scouting, I wasn't sure how athletic they were. With CJ Carr especially, it, it kind of uh, blows my mind. You don't want to get into the tropes and call them deceptive, but truly it's kind of what it uh, what it feels like. I just go back to last season. Ivan's put on my radar that uh, his playoff game against Belleville, the you know Michigan power where you know Bryce Underwood plays, and, you know, the old scouting adage, if they put it on tape once, you know, they always have the capability to do it. Like, he played one of the better high school football games that I've watched. And I watched the full thing and, you know, just knowing that he has that top tier ability, I, I don't think that, you know, it, it would be hard to be playing at that level every week. But I do think that his senior stuff week to week is much better than what he Put on tape as a junior so i'm really excited to follow him for the rest of the season um you know as he tries to take saline uh, on a deep playoff run i think the thing with cj carr and coop we spent some time around him at the elite 11 i think he's his harshest critic like he is a sharp kid and when we were at the elite 11 finals like we i thought he tried to win it day one didn't go well, then try to win it day two. For him, I, I think it's the mental aspect, right? Like Hudson, you brought up that playoff game. Like it's he's capable of doing some special things. And in that matchup, I mean, this team was overwhelmed and he kept them in the game. Um, so that's kind of not my question with CJ Carr, but 
I think for him, like he's just got to get comfortable in being himself and trusting himself. To your point, the analogy to me is like there's a lot of times where he wants to row on that cape and he wants to be Superman, where it's like, I just need you to be Clark Kent. You know, not every play has got to be a hero type of moment, right? And if he plays within himself, and you mentioned that at the Elite 11, you get around him, you're like, all right, there's a there's an intensity in this kid that kind of radiates, not in a way of like there's a lot of self-confidence, and you said it, day one did not go the way that he wanted, and you felt him kind of beating himself up about that. you know. So I think for him it's just going to be like, Hey, at the next level, mistakes happen. You got to have the Ted Lasso, you know, memory like a goldfish and you got to move on. Right. So he is his harshest critic. Sometimes most of the time, that's a good thing. But if you're not careful, it can be a negative. So I love the kid. I love the kid and I like the player. Um, there are a couple things, a couple plays that you see during the game that kind of make you scratch your head. Um, Outside of that, that just might be his game. You know, you take the good with the bad. So, all right, last one here. Uh, Aaron Noland. All right, this is a guy that was, what, 70, low 70s completion rate last year? He's at 58% right now, hovering around 59. Early. 67.8 over the past three years coming into this season. There you go, right? So he's got a little bit of uh, equity there. He's built up some good cachet. Langston Hughes, three and one. They lost to Butler out of North Carolina. Seven touchdowns, three INTs. I'm, I'm a, I, I want to get the thoughts from the peanut gallery. So whoever wants to go first, what do we think here? Well, when I, I was watching Air Nolan, I, I just thought that this was kind of Super Bowl hangovery, right? Like Langston Hughes wins the uh, Georgia State title last year. He has the really big moment against Carrollton in the first game of the season. Watch that full game where he leads them on a game-winning touchdown drive. Makes a few just ridiculous plays. He has a he has a broken pocket, <laughs> makes a man miss, um, delivers across his body for a first down in a crucial situation, and then just throws an absolute dime for a touchdown on two plays later. But besides, you know, that big-time ESPN game that you can really – kind of uh, get up for it just feels like going through the motions a little bit because what we've seen is you know this is a guy that eventually will be a 10,000 yard career passer uh, once all is said and done you know knock on wood for no injuries so the the lack of production we all know he's capable of producing more but I, I just kind of think that it's you know maybe just going through the motions of I'm not making an excuse for Aaron Nolan here, but I do want to point out, because I haven't seen this brought up anywhere else, Langston Hughes did lose their offensive coordinator this offseason. He took a head coaching job somewhere else in Georgia. I also think you got to realize Jelani Thurman, one of his top targets now at Ohio State, Bo Hewley, who was on that offensive line, now at Georgia, and then some of the other supporting cast is gone. Um, so I think... I think there's been growing pains in that entire program. I, I went back and watched the Carrollton game this morning. I mean, the throw at the end is an absolute dime. Um, but I thought Air in the first half never found his rhythm, right? I mean, a lot of swing passes, a lot of screens. Like, we know he can make those throws, but he just wasn't making them. 
And he is a smooth stroking lefty usually. I mean, I'm not hitting the panic button on Aaron Nolan in any sense, but I do think this start is a little disappointing. But then you take a step back, right? And this is a guy who has now started 36 games in Georgia's highest classification, and he's only lost four of them. Off the wall comment here. He'd be perfect in Tennessee's offense. <laughs> Just a note. Um, yeah, the thing with him, I, I watch him and I think floor, 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 right? Like I know what I'm getting with this guy. And I think schematically, we talked about it the other day. I forget what quarterback we were talking about. But I think we were talking about Tennessee's offense. We were talking about Joe Milton. Ironically, the reason that I bring up Aaron Nolan. But that offense is all about timing and accuracy. And I think that's what Aaron Nolan does extremely well, especially in the short to intermediate part of the field. Maybe you lose a little bit of that in terms of explosive plays over the top. He does throw a good deep ball, but he's not like this extremely explosive arm, but he's all about ball placement. I love this kid. I love his poise. I think this is the type of dude, like you got to remember Ohio State when we had Mark Pantone on here, winner, right? And uh, Hudson, you just talked about it. I mean, this is going to be a guy by the time he leaves, Langston Hughes is going to have over 10,000 yards uh, passing. Andrew, you just mentioned he's only lost four games, right? So first four games of the season, if by Air Nolan standards, this is something for us to be concerned about, that shows how good he's he's been over his career. So not pressing the panic button. It is, it is interesting when you weigh him against guys like Lagway and Croman Hawk and kind of how he fits in there. I do think he is more of a systematic fit. You got to have a game plan for him. All right. Hudson one. Yeah, go ahead. Last thing on, on, I just did some, some quick Andrew math. He was 11.4 yards per attempt past three years. This year it's 8.4. I I don't know the offense that well, how much has changed, but it does feel a little bit different than what they were running last year. Hudson, you're familiar with the show. You listen to it quite a bit, so you know that we're getting ready to go up-tempo here. That means we're going to have a little bit of urgency with what we do. We got 20 minutes before big old the uh, big old ogre Josh Pate walks into the studio and demands it back. So let's get to it. The next pod, right? Interesting. Kind of like the glossed-over guys, in my opinion. Jaden Davis was one of the top prospects for a while. Took a backseat here in the last recruiting rankings. Elijah Brown and Walker White. Those are the three that I kind of want to focus on. What are your thoughts on that group? Off top, Walker White is probably the most interesting one to me just because he probably has the least amount of available you know, data points that we can look through. Uh, we just got done watching one of his games where he – has you know three notable plays to me. One, he hurdles a defender in the open field, kind of showing off the athleticism. That was a big plus. Two, throws an absolute rocket in stride. Uh, I think it's a backside post that he circles back to touchdown. And then three, it's uh, he has a RPO off of a you know glance route, and he hits the defend the trailing defender in the head with the ball. So I think that it's kind of a perfect uh, encapsulation of what I you know, think about Walker wide and that you have two just kind of jaw dropping athletic plays and then one where it's, you know, the need for refinement. And we, you know, it's tough to track his stats at uh, little rock Christian, but he's one I'm keeping a very close eye on this year. Probably going to make my way up to Arkansas and, you know, try to catch a game before they get to the playoffs. He sounds like 
Josh Allen, Wyoming to me. <laughs> it just like, you know, you turn on the tape of Josh Allen, Wyoming. I, it depends who you are. Buffalo is obviously smart enough to figure it out. But it was like, man, I have no idea what this guy is going to be. Walker White, to me, four games, 58%. He's been like a sub-60% passer his entire career. And he makes those plays where you're talking about hurdling a defender. He's a really good athlete. He looks like Tim Tebow out there the way he's built. That guy, I'll tell you what, if Hugh Freeze can get him right, they got something. Drew, do you watch him yet this year? I no, I Hudson, you need to send me the hurdle clip. <laughs> Guy on the freaks list when I was talking to him, he said he has never seen Tim Tebow play. I've never felt older than right then. That hurts my heart. <laughs> oh. Okay, what about the other two, Hudson? Real quick, one or two liners on Jaden Davis and Elijah Brown. Yeah, I mean, for both of them, it can just kind of be summed up by their they're in command of their system, really good at the first two levels. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to continue to watch as we all are and just want to see continued strides as far as pushing the ball down the field, really, you know, forcing defenses to, you know, cover the whole turf sideline to sideline, you know, deep thirds. Elijah Brown is now 33 and one as a starter. That's pretty good, you know, for as much, uh, as <laughs> I we mean, love that. He might Love be on the hate on the. He might be on the best high school team ever, but I, I would. We need the stats and research. Like, is there going to be anyone with a better record heading into college? I think Troy Taylor in Stanford is perfect for him. And it's a great spot. Can learn, develop, be brought along slowly. I also think that they're probably going to play him a little bit sooner than he's ready to play. Here's the thing: he is ready to play. You talk about he's played 34 games, right? And he's won 33 of them. And he's played at the highest competition. Like, if you're going to roll out a freshman to me, he might not be different that much different from his freshman to his sophomore year in college. But at least you know what you're getting. Well, they need him. Stanford's been rolling through quarterbacks. All right, I, I know we're under the gun here. So I got two guys I want to ask Hudson about. And then and then we can pivot. Sorry, stealing your it. show. Stealing your show here, Cooper. Can I, can uh, I guess the guys? Yeah, get, yeah, go ahead. One of them is going to be Grunk. Yep. And the other one, I'm going to say Will Hammond. No, Merklin. Hmm. All right. Who was right, yours, Ethan, Hudson? Yeah, Ethan Grunkmeyer, Penn State commit. Cook, Hudson. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I kind of wrote it in the article. I, maybe not completely sold on Baby Grunk, which is a lie because I love the nickname, but. Uh, I'm all in on him as a prospect. I think he's taken a noticeable step up as a senior. As a junior, four and seven record, had some production, but you know, game to game, it was a little bit hit or miss. I think he's making all of the necessary throws. I, I think that he is one of the uh, braver quarterbacks when it comes to attacking the middle of the field. He will not hesitate if they're running dagger to throw that dig route, you know, right on time. I, I am a big fan of Grunkmeyer. Um, and then as far as Merklinger, I, I always I think I mentioned to you, Andrew, that I kind of had in my head comped him to Andy Dalton, and it was rough. But when I watch him, I know that he does not have the uh, prototypical you know arm talent that we're looking for, but he's just such a gritty QB. Like, I, I think that 
uh, he's at his best Friday night lights, just, you know, roll the ball out there and he's going to make it happen. I, I, when I've been doing this exercise, I, I just really respect his game quite a bit. Yeah. Merklinger is growing on me. <laughs> uh, watch one of his full games. He has also won 33 games at the high school level. He's only 30, but he's 33 and nine, four year starter. I think the big question about Merklinger, aside from maybe the arm strength, right? He does not have the strongest arm, but I think he's accurate. I love what he does in RPOs. You mentioned the word grit. There is a clip where he pulls the ball, weaves his way into the end zone, gets nailed, helmet comes off, and he's up celebrating. Uh, I, I just – I think it's the perfect quarterback for Tennessee to take, and through 22 interceptions over the past three years, has thrown 12 touchdowns, zero picks here so far as a senior. So, Merklinger, I'm a fan, man. I, I think Tennessee, after taking Nico the year prior, like I don't know if you could have done better here in the in the 2024 cycle. And then on Krunkmeyer, popped on his highlights right before we hit record. Same thing I thought coming out of the Elite 11 finals. He is not afraid to throw it into the teeth of the defense over the middle. Like, does not care. He continues to do that, um, and he's doing it really well here as a senior. So Penn State, same thing, right? You know, their quarterback room, Drew Aller, Jackson Smolik is the freshman they took last year, flipped him from Tulane. They found another good one in, in Grunkmeyer. Grunkmeyer was like the one guy who showed up in L.A. We're like – Who's this guy? And then he gets there and he gets into these drills and he just starts ripping it without remorse. I mean, you talked about like we talked about CJ Carr. Maybe he was overthinking it. Maybe there's some other guys pressing. You talk about the one guy that was just like not thinking about it at all and letting it rip. That was Ethan Grunkmeyer. Statistically, he needed a big year, right? He was kind of down across the board last year. So it is uh, encouraging. The other one is Merklinger is such a – so fascinating to me in the fact that like you turn on the tape, you really like him. You see him in person and it's like, is this the same guy? You, you wonder, you're like, how does that arm talent even translate? I mean, big question mark, big question mark for me. Like I was like, how do we have this cat in the top two, four, seven, you turn on the tape and it computes. So that one's going to be fascinating. How about this, Drew? Shout out to your guy over here. Got around on some Michael Smith tape this morning. Dude's a player. He's at Calvary Christian with. All right. Merkinger. So, so what I what I texted you, but you probably don't want to say on air. Would you agree with me? I don't even remember what you texted me. <laughs> There's another tight end in Georgia, and I said I think I would take Michael Smith over him based on the tape. I, I that doesn't surprise me at all. My okay. favorite out of all the tight ends that I've seen so far is our other guy, Luke Reynolds. Luke Schoonmaker was from Connecticut as well. Went to a prep school. We took him in Michigan. I've, I've said this on the pod before. He just got drafted in the second round. By the Dallas a, Cowboys. Didn't he have a catch the other night? I think so. I watched a lot of games. Luke Reynolds, to me, prospect-wise, I mean, I would take him 10 out of 10 times. This kid is, like, legit, legit. I'm in, I'm in love with him. I'm just waiting for you guys to watch the senior tape. Uh, if we were doing uh, recruiting pod uh, all-stars, who gets mentioned the most? It would be Luke Reynolds. It would be Jason Zandamella. Maybe Courtney Crutchfield. I think those would be the three that are uh, officially stamped by the yeah, show. We're, well, we're, we're signing Luke Reynolds to an NIL deal. 
we are. Luke Reynolds, once we somehow, some way come up with the snapback hat idea, Luke Reynolds is going to be the same one. He's been an Oyster Boys favorite from the beginning. Hey, the other one you just brought up, by the way, I got a round on him too. Jason Zandamella. Holy cow. I'm, go- I'm I mean, going to see talk- him tomorrow night. You talk about like a prototype center prospect. And the beautiful yeah. thing about him, he plays center right now, but he can also play guard. I mean, he's got what? What is he? Six foot ten wing? Super, yeah. super long. Um, and you're talking about a guy that's only played football for what? Is it year two or three for him? I think three former rugby player from that dude's gonna be special. Via Zimbabwe. Mozambique. Actually, Mozambique. Yeah, I, I always get that, I always get it mixed up. Okay. All right, boys. Let's get through the uh, big recruiting weekends on tap. We don't have to get in the nitty-gritty. I guess we can talk about some names that kind of stand out for us. Number seven, Penn State. They host number 24, Iowa. Wideout game, 730 CBS, game of the week. Visitors include Bryce Underwood, number one quarterback in 2025. Defensive lineman Ernest Wylor, number 15 defensive lineman in 2024. Some other names, Quincy Porter. Not Trey Roberts, is that that? Is that is that the oh, right pronunciation there? Nate, Nate Roberts. I guess I, oh, I guess on the rundown, I, I was thinking he was still committed to uh, Notre Dame. The tag flag, 50 minutes in. <laughs> Woo! All right. Uh, is there another one? Dia Bell, is that right? Yeah, Raja Bell's kid, man. Um, there you go. I went to the whiteout game two years ago when they played Auburn. Uh, dude, it's, it's unreal. Like, the environment. They should have every recruit possible there. I thought there would be more guys from Florida, but – Certainly, Bryce Underwood showing up, I mean, is uh, is notable. I, Penn State really hasn't been linked all that much to him, right? No, I haven't heard them. I mean, to me, it was Michigan, LSU, and then it was Colorado now in the mix. It looks like he's kind of taking his time with it. Per, per our boy Steve Wiltfong, though, he uh, this is a return trip for Underwood. So this isn't the first time he's been at Penn State. I don't yeah, know if he's. I don't know if they're a player. Some of these, some of these but... guys visit thirty schools. I'm talking about like <laughs> who should actually be warm on the profile. I don't think Penn State was one of them. Okay, so Bryce Underwood, we'll keep an eye on that. Ernest Wild, I, I haven't. Drew, what's the latest with him? You heard anything on him? He's back in Maryland. Okay. Was it IMG? All, all good. Has he played this season? He has played, according to Brian Doan. Herb's okay. heavily involved. Unranked. Clemson hosting number four, Florida State, 12 o'clock Eastern time, ABC. David Sanders will be there. I don't know why. I just got a feeling that David Sanders and Dabo Sweeney, like, there's something there. Also felt that way about Aaron Nolan, and that didn't happen. So who knows? Naeem Alford, Alford, number one corner in 2025, will be there. Jordan Young, London Merritt, Tyler Atkinson, Bryce Petty Wright will also be there. Any of those names stick out to you, boys? It's just a bunch of really good underclassmen, and Clemson has not really like changed their ways. It's feels like they've already turned the page to 2025 and, and 2026. I, I'm, dude, I can't wait for this game on on Saturday. I think the line, to what is it, Florida State minus two Florida right State now? Minus two, yep. It, it just, I don't know. Has me second guessing a lot of things. Blowout okay, so, city. Blowout city. Hold on, Lance. You gotta add some content. You can't just say that and not say anything. <laughs> I else. think Florida State's gonna blow them out. Okay. Blow them out. Hudson, what do you think? Now, now, I'm, now I'm inclined to take Clemson. Blow them out. 
as a uh, as a degenerate, when you see a line like this, you're just not trying to get in the rat trap. Like I, I don't want to be on Florida State if they're setting the price like this. So I, I'm staying away. There, it just does feel feel like a potential. I'm not going anywhere moment for uh, Dabo. What is the would, line? Two two points. I'd be oh, more concerned point. if this game was at 8 p.m. Yeah. For who, Drew? For Florida State. Yeah. I like Florida State here. I think it's anywhere from three points to ten points. I like Florida State. I think this is a game where college football, you see the fork in the road. One team's going one way and the other team's going the other. And I'm going to stick by what we've seen. That being said, I do think Clemson's going to play better than what we've seen so far this season. But I think – I almost think it's a blessing that Florida State played the way they did against Boston College, because now it's a it's a hyper it's yeah. a hyper focus game, right? So I like Florida State there. All right, number nine, Notre Dame hosting number six, Ohio State. Notre Dame at number nine feels very low to me. CJ Carr will be there. Kingston Viliamu Asa also be there. A couple of Notre Dame commits: Christian Jones, Devin Williams, Mark Zachary, Cooper Perry. Iris got the number eight class in the class of 2024, number seven class in 2025. Recruits, whatever. What do we think about this game? I mean, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty interested in this as well. I like Notre Dame here. I've, I've liked them from the beginning of the season. I think Sam Hartman's a guy. Ohio State. I don't want to say sputtering, but I still think they're trying to find their identity. I think they will, but I don't think it's going to be this game. Uh, do you think high scoring, low scoring? I, I think Notre Dame is is going to control the line of scrimmage and and run the football. I think like 24-21, like traditional early teens SEC football type of game. I've got a fun stat for you guys. Brought this uh, via the Bear, Chris Felica. There are six ranked matchups this weekend, uh, ranked versus ranked. That is the most since 2006. I am so excited for this weekend, and this game probably chief among them. Notre Dame has a good set of visitors, um, but I think more than anything, just being in this primetime matchup, it's the fact that a lot of these guys are going to be watching regardless or, or following on their phones if they're visiting other games. Like You have a chance to make a massive statement. Um, and really kind of – y'all talked about on the recruiting pod quite a bit, like – Get into that upper echelon of the you know teams recruiting. Enter that you know Georgia, Alabama, um, Ohio State type of tier with the guys that you're able to get because of a you know Kickstarter like this. And then you look at the schedule for Notre Dame after this. Like if you beat Ohio State, you can beat USC. So I'm actually off this weekend. I'm off the next two weeks on Saturdays. All right, so. I didn't even look at the schedule, but I'm actually going to what they call Pilgrimage Festival here in Nashville on Saturday night, and I kind of feel like an idiot. Lumineers, 8 o'clock, Sunday night, Zach Bryan, I'm excited about that, but like 6.30, it's like better than Ezra. I'm going to be on my phone, you know, why better than Ezra is out there, all 50, you know, five of the 50-year-olds on set just watching Notre Dame, Ohio State like a total degenerate. All right, last game, LSU hosting Arkansas, number 12, LSU. LSU plus 5,000 right now. Get your tickets, national champions. 
Andrew's shaking his head. He doesn't like it, but he can't tell me who he's picking for the national champion. Terry Bussey, number one athlete in 2024. He'll be there on his OV. To me, Hudson, the smoke has been like A&M, A&M, A&M. You look at A&M and you're like, no idea what to think of those guys. Does LSU have a shot here, you think? I know you follow Bussey closely. I think they do have a shot. This is, I mean, in the most literal sense, this is your last chance. This is, you get the final official visit before he decides. There are, you know, people close to Bussy that maybe want him at LSU. I think A&M, Oklahoma, and LSU are the three teams to follow as we head into next week's decision. It's going to be really intriguing to see what the feedback is after this visit because LSU looked fantastic against Mississippi State last week. Uh, you know, Jaden Daniels nearly throwing, you know, 90% completion percentage. Um, and LSU has been one of the schools that has kind of offered some flexibility for whether he wants to play offense or defense. Obviously, that's what I was going to ask. Where, where do they want him? I, I, truly, I think that they're going to say, hey, we'll, we'll let you uh, during practice play whatever you want. Just come here. Which I think LSU, is- LSU doesn't have a choice the the way they've been recruiting the secondary. They need them to play defense. So I think that this is really intriguing. Arkansas showed me a lot of concerns last week against BYU. Um, so I, even though it's a rivalry game, they're you know playing for the boot. Uh, I'm I think that this could be a LSU big moment, and then kind of establish themselves as the de facto favorite in the SEC West. If I'm if I'm Brian Kelly, I'm pointing to all the freshmen that are playing for me Saturday night, and I'm showing Terry Bussey that Oyster Boys U is pretty split on which side of the ball they like him, offense or defense. Hudson, where do you stand? I mentioned on the last time I was here, I'm siding with Coop. Oh, smart man right there, I, man. Got to keep the ball in his hands. I mean, when you see Terry Bussey do things like hurdle a guy and do a 360 spin afterwards, I mean, it's just hard to – but also, I, you know, played quarterback at the high school level, offensive-minded guy, so a little bit of bias there. It really bums me out that we're not on video yet because Andrew this week has just been putting out hot fire reactions – we had the tank top on Tuesday. Yesterday, we had some reactions. The eye rolls have been on point today. <laughs> Hudson, way to stick to your guns, buddy. Hey, is there a game, Hudson, or two that maybe you have your eyes on that you're intrigued with before we get out of here? You know, off the top of my head, it's A&M-Auburn because, uh, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see if a and going to bounce back after that showing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I've been pretty underwhelmed by what, DJ Durkins put out there to be honest. You have so much talent on that defense. And you know, my you you get two short fields against Miami, and you know, they, they kind of hang half a hundo on you. So uh, that one I'm really intrigued by. And then UCLA, Utah. Want to see what Cam Rising looks like if he's back. I want Chip Kelly to just give the keys to Dante more. I understand, you know, earning it. Garbers is a good player, but just let the kid cook. You think Clemson and Alabama both go down this weekend? I'm kind. I'm. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm kind of uh, 
maybe have too much exposure on Alabama beating Ole Miss. Uh, to like, I, I, I <laughs> I'm, I'll tell you what, I've watched more college football this year than I have in a long time. I'm gonna trust my eyes, I'm gonna say both those teams are gonna lose. Be big for the sport. All right, Coop, you you got a off the radar game? You're you're dying. Uh, not off the not off the radar. On the radar, we talked about it already. I got my, I got my eyes on Dante Moore, man. I think this is a huge opportunity for UCLA on the road at number eleven Utah. Cam Rising is not back yet, right? So I, I still think not this official. Is Nate Johnson's show, and if that is the case, Chip Kelly can coach Dante Moore. Like we all talked about him not blinking. He's on the road. This is a big matchup. This is kind of the game that I feel like because it's a huge slate, it's been overlooked. But if UCLA can come out on the other side of this, and Dante Moore is a big reason, I think Dante Moore is getting ready to announce himself to the college football world. And I think we're we're right there. How about you, Drew? Two off the radar. I think uh, Texas Tech at West Virginia, intriguing. A lot of people thought Neil Brown was done. He could be what four and one, three and one. Texas Tech. Three and one, yeah. Three and one with win over Pitt and uh, Texas Tech. I mean, Joey McGuire on the other side. They just got Micah Hudson. Got to win some games. And then the other one, UCF at Kansas State. I mean, knew that Big was 12, coming. Yeah, defending Big 12 champs. But UCF would be 4-0 with wins on the other side of the country at Boise State, at Kansas State. I don't know. I mean, I well, there's no way I'll be watching these games. I don't have enough screens. Um, but I'll be following along the box scores. Do you have a YouTube TV multi-view? No, I'm I'm just two two big screen TVs. But I'm I'm actually going to a volleyball game at 3:30 on on Saturday, so I'll be on the Sheesh. phone. Sheesh! How about that? How'd you get roped into that one, Coach? I know. Nice. We might have to bring the committee into that and have an intervention with your wife, but it is what it is. Hudson Standish, you are welcome back anytime, my friend. We enjoyed it. Great job. What did you think of your uh, – not your debut, right? What is this, second or third appearance on the show? Second time. It's fun as always. I enjoy uh, riffing with the boys more than anything. Um, before we head out, just two quick things. One, Hoss Haney, I see you uh, improving the passing game. I, second year as a starter, taking a step up. And then um, Drew mentioned Texas Tech. I'm really excited to see what Will Hammond to Micah Hudson looks like in a few years if everything stays pat. Mm, there you go. Our resident insider in the state of Texas, Hudson Stanch. Drew, you got any final thoughts before we get out of here for the weekend? I did find a line for uh, Miami Central Chaminade. <laughs> just, just, got, just got posted on uh, the crib, South Florida. Shout out to Frank. Good guy. <laughs> Pick him. All right, what do we got? Pick him. Even pick know what. like it's a pick. Oh, it's even. It? Oh, it's yeah, a pick. It's, it's I got gotcha. Well, hey, well give it? me it? over 80 and a half, uh, over 80 go. and a half in that uh, game, and then 80. under 35 in Iowa State, Oklahoma State. All right, guys, we appreciate you listening. As always, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, Spotify, Apple. Like I say, make sure to leave a review if you have any questions. Five-star rating would be great as well. We are creeping, 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 creeping to a million downloads. That is our goal by the end of the year. Hey, Drew, what was the name of our, our guy who left the last review? The Dylan Riola. Riola. Bam- Bamboo Tom. Bamboo Tom. Shout out to you, my friend. I don't know when we're going to get merch. I'm not going to make a promise I can't keep, 
might be personal, might come out of my own pocket, but Bamboo Tom, you're going to be first on the list when that does happen. So, guys, we appreciate you listening to the show. Have a great weekend, great week of college football. Great week of City Luminaries and Zach Bryan. Let's go! Have a good weekend.